Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Plus, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're live. Uh, welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Rocket MSP Podcast. I'm Steve. I'm your host. And today I'm joined by Raphael, Raphael Matone. Did I do that right? You did. Hi, Steve. I, I get nervous. <laughs> I, get, I get nervous. No worries. Um, so, Raphael, you have um, – we'll, we'll talk about what you're, what you're here to talk about today soon. But you have a really interesting background. Um, you, you were with FireEye. Uh, which I, I think they've been in the news recently, maybe a little bit. And um, and you were with Duo. And do I remember correctly that you were with McAfee for like 11 years or something like that? I was, yeah. I was, that's where that was. I uh, started at uh, McAfee as my journey into cybersecurity. I kind of fell into it. It was a uh, startup when I joined. It was a point product under Network General. And I was there for 11 years. That's really cool. And and McAfee, that's how they pronounce it? Yeah, it's McAfee. Yep. Okay. Because I've always said McAfee because you always do the, the short mick when it's like that type. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Remember so that McAfee, when you asked. Yeah. Remember that when you asked me about our company name and I'll, and you'll see why now. But yeah, it's, it's uh, McAfee. Uh, I assume your company name is Adia. It's not. It's Adia. And it's, it's intentional. Yep. If you look okay. at how it's, if you look it up, it's, it's, uh, it is Adia. That's how it's pronounced in Latin or the Middle East, but we uh -huh. pronounce it Adea. So it kind of goes back to all three companies that I worked at in cybersecurity where their names were difficult. And once you explained how to pronounce it or why it was created that way, created a tribal knowledge, and then you would tell others. And so with McAfee, we always got people saying McAfee, McAfee because they wanted to invert the A and the C, or it was pronounced differently. So it's actually gotcha. McAfee. And when I was designing our name, I wanted the same complexity, but with some uh, personal touches to why uh, I chose even the different letters. Very neat. Now, <clears throat> what's, what's interesting is um, I have a buddy who said, wait, that's my daughter's name. He's saying it wrong. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's intentional. So, but yeah, the uh, the um, it, the same issue happened at FireEye because you have two e's next to each other. People would trip over the pronunciation, and then I never had that problem. Maybe it was because the the one e was capitalized, so it yeah. looked clearly like two words to me. Yep, and then if you look at Duo, people thought it was a um, abbreviation and would put D period U period O period all in oh. capital letters, which used to drive our marketing team crazy, and we would even tease them about it internally. Um, but no, it's just Duo, <laughs> and it's a one, it's a word. So it, you see those companies that really try to create a brand awareness um, sometimes yeah. have unique ways of even spelling it or enunciating it. Well, so so the one thing that I'm really confused about. So, so Raphael, let's. I guess we should dive in a little more. So, Adia is a secure. Adia, Adia mm -hmm. is a security company, mm -hmm. um, and and you you have a product, um, and and your product has like two different names associated with it, and I think that's where my confusion comes in because like you know, you look at a company like Sophos like or Sophos, depending on what side of the, the pond you're on, right? Um, you know, they they it's it's like Sophos, and then it's UTM, or Endpoint Security. or So mm -hmm. it's like, they just put their company name in it, and then, like, yours just, it's, like, all over the place. So can you explain, like, you've got a company, and then a brand, and then a, a sub-brand. Can you explain all of that? Yeah, so we have two, I, I would say there's two names and then one persona. Um, so yes, our company name is Adea. Um, if you look at the spelling, the two A's are the first initial of my daughter's name. The D is capitalized intentionally because we are headquartered in Detroit and hmm. do make that part of our brand and giving back to the community and love what's happening in Detroit. Um, and then I inverted the Y and the A intentionally so that it still looked like Adia, but you say Adea. So um, because if you look at security companies or the hacker community, if the name looks different than what it pronounces, it, like I said, it creates that tribal knowledge. Now, when we looked at what we were going to build, we're not building a point product. So you're right. A lot of other companies have just an endpoint or a password manager or um, anti-phishing as examples. We built a complete solution. And so we didn't want to have to say six different items when describing our solution because it has six different pillars. So Marzo 4 is the complete solution. It has six pillars built into it that gives small and medium-sized companies a uh, complete cybersecurity solution versus a point product. And the third name you hear is our virtual cybersecurity assistant. That's Judy. Mm -hmm. So she is a persona. She actually guides you on enabling and provisioning each of the pillars, as well as does the monitoring on the back end with her AI and machine learning. So it's our customers love hearing about Judy because it creates that team member they can't get. And then Marzo 4 is the complete solution, like you see with some of the other brands where they name them after animals or um, birds or, you know, you have Falcon, you have all kinds of names for solutions. And or, so we went with Mars really or, or, or really great places to travel to around California, like Big Sur. And there you go. So, yeah. 
So our solution is named Marzo 4. If you want the, the name Marzo 4, Marzo is Italian for March. And we were founded in March. So, and then the four was the original pillars. Um, so we just stuck with it and call it Marzo 4. That's really cool. Now, see, when you said Marzo is Italian for March, I thought for sure you were going to say we were founded on March 4th. Um, uh, March 6th by one day. So who knows? Maybe in the well, future see, we'll change the, the number. We'll change Marzo the number. <laughs> it doesn't flow well. <laughs> so, it, yeah. But it's, but don't it, you have – how many pillars do you have now? We have six. We just added two. But that months. would make it so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to our marketing team and say how much they want to kill me after having to update all of the uh, collateral and websites. But overall, the customers um, are enjoying um, Judy um, and that she helps them and then Marzo 4. So, um, and being that we're different and going after a space no one wants, it's okay to lead with how we want to do it versus maybe following other patterns on naming. So we're going to dive into some actual like cybersecurity stuff and, and what your product can do in a moment. But I just want to say, um, you know, people get excited about Judy, you said, and mm -hmm. I just become terrified because you've given it a person's name. You refer to it as a her. And and she is making recommendations to MSPs about client security. Like you realize that like this is this is literally like the plot to the Terminator, but but in like a parallel universe because it's just a little different. It is. And then Terminator though was a male. We're we're all about uh you know empowering women. So yes, she actually does uh, do an amazing job of um describing where there's opportunities to improve as well as it's a nurturing approach in a space that doesn't want a terminator telling them what to do or not to do with cybersecurity. So small business customers, if we look through that lens, they enjoy that it's a persona and that she's there to help them, which is what we want. Um, on potentially her being um, maybe like someone like you that's more technical, she might seem concerning or even annoying. And we included that in the design. So she doesn't interact with you unless you want her to. And what I mean by that is you can either do voice recognition, but we know there could be a Judy in the office um, and you don't want to say, hey, Judy. And then all of a sudden the computer <laughs> starts talking to you versus your awesome Judy accounting team member <laughs> sitting right next to you. So you can do voice or text. Um, and again, she's there to guide. We do not believe in being punitive. Um, the days of using fear to scare end users doesn't work anymore. And so um, that's why we picked a female name. And if you look at Judy, her, that name's associated to many things that we all associate with a positive. So whether it's Julie Garland, or even if you're, you know, um, are in the technology and cartoons, Judy Jetson, they were all, and it, and it translates globally because we intend to go global. So when I was picked, when we were all picking the name on what to name the, uh, our cybersecurity team member, we uh, went with that name. And then we also, if you look in cybersecurity, it's male dominated, which is unfortunate. Um, and so we definitely intentionally picked a woman uh, to drive, um, at least in this space. 
That's that's really cool. I I really like that. So, um, Marzo Four. This is um, you know what what you guys are kind of touting online as an all-in-one cybersecurity solution for um, small customers. Right. right. <laughs> so so can you? I, I appreciate you, and, and that's that's good because it sounds like you guys understand that there's you know a difference between the type of um, the type of security that a small customer would need versus a, a medium or large business, right? Correct. So, so it's yep. good. You, you understand that. So what all does your solution do? We, uh, well, we talked about Judy. We also do, we built enterprise grade from the ground up. So these are not white labeled. We um, built anti-phishing, uh, single sign-on, password manager, endpoint, and now we have threat and automated remediation, as well as a compliance framework that's all included in Marzo 4. And it's key to think through because you're very technical and I've been in cybersecurity for 20 years. You're right, we're not building this for the enterprise. The enterprise has amazing point products out there that they can hire people to maintain and update and be compliant. And that's where all of those uh, individuals want to go for their first jobs or their careers, which is fine. They can make amazing amount of money. But when you look at a small business customer and look through their lens, they're not going to be able to hire an InfoSec person either because of um, no one wants to work at a 5, 10, 20 employee company, or they just simply can't afford it. And then you say, okay, well, they're not going to give up a headcount to hire someone. So how do you build something that doesn't feel like compliance or heavy or is beating them over a head with cybersecurity, but still have that automation where they could either have Judy do it for them or they might have an MSP. And we complement MSPs in the fact that the MSP could continue to support those small companies and just be the champion internally for Marzo 4 um, and do any of the monitoring or anything else that they may do. So it's a different lens. We we really challenged ourselves two years ago, and we brought on 13 design partners that were company sizes of five to 200 employees and said, what do you know about cybersecurity? And they were rightfully so all over the place on understanding or um, what they thought they might need. But they said three Three, all of them said the three consistent things that guided us. It's too expensive. I'm not going to be able to, or I can't, or I don't want to hire an InfoSec team. And when I do go ahead and make that investment with one of those point products that are geared towards the enterprise, even then I'm treated like a second-class citizen or revenue stream, which becomes frustrating and it sits on the shelf. So there's you, you take that as our guiding principles. We then said, okay, that's for the owner of the company. Now let's peel it back for that front end salesperson or finance person or marketing person that says, why aren't you using what we bought? We had a couple of customers, they bought a password manager and they weren't using it. Why? Well, I don't want to be IT. So that's what those three roles told us. I just want to do my job. And if it's running behind the scenes and protecting us, awesome. And so that's where we started to build out how each of these pillars even worked with each other so that it complemented both groups, not just 
the owner and the champion trying to get a cybersecurity posture, but also that those front end users would want to use it. Excellent. So yesterday I had a guest on, his name is Bruce McCauley with Galactic Advisors. Um, and while he is a, you know, I'm going to call him a cybersecurity expert. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there could be smarter guys than him, but he he has a great way of, of dumbing things down. So that way people that aren't so great at cybersecurity can maybe know what he's talking about. Um, he kind of implied that, you know, if if you're going to build a cybersecurity stack, you don't want it to be like entirely Sophos. So, you know, if you're going to use a Sophos UTM, you shouldn't use their endpoint manager. You know, use something else like Bitdefender, you know, that type of stuff, because security is an onion and um and I don't remember all and I think it could have also had something to do with um it might be more easy for the intrusion, intruder, whatever, to make mm-hmm. lateral moves when the software just puts itself together so nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's got to be concern, concerns about that, you know, because like I said, security is an onion. We need multiple layers. And it seems like you, you're providing all or most of the layers that a small business needs. Uh, but how can we trust that your software is actually doing it all without compromising the onion. Well, the example he... I don't want soggy or, 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 you know, stale onions. Right. Well, none of us do. They stink. Um, we, uh, we, I don't disagree with his statement. I used to sell that way and I still would if I was in the enterprise. Those different tool sets that he's describing that should not all be in one application are because they're dependent on a human to configure, update, and monitor. So you're right. On the enterprise, when I was even CIO or VP within IT and drove parts of the security posture for a security company, by the way, at FireEye Mm -hmm. and partnering with our security team at Duo, you're right. You don't want where I have to hire an InfoSec team member to maintain a one point product and be in it every day looking at the logs and software updates and all those things to also have to take into consideration that maybe another pillar like endpoint would be with that same company. It is best practices in larger organizations to diversify your portfolio and have that team that can do that heavy lift. Now go back to what I said though, the SMB doesn't have that, right? They don't have the money the manpower or the ability to uh, do what the enterprise does. And the enterprise is being attacked in a different way than your SMB customer. So if you look at where we focus, it is on identity management. It is on anti-phishing, which is 70 to 80% of the breaches that happen with small business customers. And it is on the endpoint. And we complement that with Judy being able to do the monitoring with the threat and automated remediation. So yes, are you? I will, I will always, no matter where I've been, say it's the 80-20 rule. Can you protect 80% of the company's data, employees, and endpoint? Yes. Is there going to be a 20% fallout, whether you're small, medium, or enterprise? Absolutely. But can that 20% be remediated? And so for Marzo 4, 
again, it's designed for a specific space. We're not going. We're not going to go sell to those Facebooks or GM or that. We're not. You sure. know that that it doesn't align to the design or what he described, which is very valid. But when you look at this particular space going up to mid market, it does align in a way where they don't have to hire a bunch of people and they get that 80-20 rule. And we are there also to protect them with that monitoring and automated remediation. So we are an extended cybersecurity team for them, which takes into consideration the same skill sets and people that they would have in the enterprise. So I don't disagree with his statement. It's just that statement is very much best practice designs for enterprise. Okay. So why is it then um, that MSPs are designing complex security solutions for these, you know, five to 200 or 250, whatever your range that, that you built this with? Um, why, why are they built, you know, designing, you know, they're, they're getting a SOC and, and log aggregation and um, uh, EDR and MTR and like all this complicated sounding stuff. Um, yeah. Why, why are they making it seem like enterprise security for the small business? Because that's all that was out there. There's different point products to try to pull them together and create that automation as well as a security posture that would align to what a small business would want or need. And obviously it's a good revenue stream, but what even they see now is that their margin is being eroded by how some of these other companies are now changing their design or their go-to-market pricing. So if you look at password managers, most of them are moving away from the free. I mean, literally giving their customers a month or two to make a decision, either upgrade to the paying or, you know, sorry, almost. Last so you just did that. Right. So you start to say, okay, well, I'm an MSP. Now what do I do? I've got a large mm -hmm. base of customers that are using Password Manager and it was working and it was sort of free and I could wrap it into my services or other pro point products and still charge something that was meaningful to them, but didn't break the bank for the small business uh, owner. Right. So MSPs always, and if you look at MSPs or MSSPs, they saw that this was a confusing piece where all cybersecurity experts were saying, no, buy this, buy that, buy this. And SMB is not gonna spend three to six months to pull together a project and get all those tool sets they need to be compliant or is now necessarily tied to their revenue to have a security posture. So the MSPs were at the forefront of this and that is one way of still trying to do it is pulling it all together, although their profits are starting to tank. And what we're mm -hmm. seeing, because we do now have MSPs signing up fairly quickly, is that they can take Marzo 4, pull it into what they were trying to do with all those different pieces of point products and still give what the customer needs and still make a lot of money on their end um, or add other services that these customers still need and be viewed as a value add. So we complement the channel. We we are. Yes. I am from McAfee. I know the kiss of death when you're on the front of a magazine and it says you are the worst channel partner on the planet, even though your product is number one. Trust me, 
I inherited the channel program as some others did right after that article went out in 2006, 2007. It wasn't fun. But we designed a program and looked through a different lens, which is why would you not just give the channel what they need? They are going to, if they find you as a true partner and you make it profitable for them, they're going to open the door to customers you would have never had anyway. And that's what we designed with our channel program here is you make the money. We are giving you a healthy MSP, MSRP discount. And you have the option to either just be a, I'm processing the order and a day it takes care of them. Or you could say, I'm processing the order, doing all the billing, and I do that first level of support. We're fine either way. And we're not going to not ensure that you are successful because that's what, that is the playbook I learned from McAfee and even at Dell when I was there. And what we and why we're now seeing MSPs coming forward and very much interested in um, uh, offering Marzo Ford to their customer. We just signed up six last month, and they're saying our offering is very healthy. And in some instances, they're surprised at it. I I can see that. So what what I feel like I'm hearing is you're. You're, you're accomplishing two things with everything we've, we've just said. One, it sounds like your unique selling proposition is uh, you have an easy to use and understand cybersecurity solution that MSPs can utilize um, for their small business clients. We're, we're expecting that to be like 250 users and below. Mm -hmm. And it also sounds like... Um, you're you're disrupting the cybersecurity market by providing literally just that something that's not this complex onion of here's some sofos here's some bit defender here's some of this and some of that and now if you hodgepodge it all together we've got security ish but fundamentally yeah and no no one wants to work in this space or they view it as a revenue stream which is insulting to these customers employee number mm -hmm doesn't mean that they don't have very large customers in their portfolio or that they're not making millions. So we have companies that are 5, 10, 50 employees making millions a year on the services or software they provide to their customer. So think of it this way, it, you're you know, you've been in the, around this for a while. We've seen where SMBs could say and this was the same thing I would experience when I would sell at Dell. Well, I don't really need that. Or I mean, at McAfee, I don't need that antivirus. No one hacks a MacBook. That was the biggest thing we had to overcome when I was selling antivirus at McAfee. The SMB space felt like, and even us cybersecurity experts, well, they're not going to get breached or they're not mature enough. They don't understand this. They don't have the money. They're complex. The last two years, push all of those thought processes aside and look through a new lens they are now being held to the same security standards as the enterprise companies that they support. And if they want that revenue or to win the RFP, those security teams at Marriott, U of M, Ford, Toyota, that use smaller companies for many, many services and are part of the companies that are in our portfolio that support them are now demanding it on the RFP. That's the game changer. Either you're compliant with HIPAA SOC 1, SOC 2, um, PCI, GDPR, or you don't get the, you don't win the deal. And they, most of them want to work with SMBs 
but they can't because they can't take that risk of being the next Marriott or Target, which were breached by an outside service. So you you brought up the, the compliance piece, which is great because that's where I was going. Um, it's like we're reading so, each other's mind. I feel like this mojo is just working so well. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So you you mentioned uh, you mentioned HIPAA. So I'll ask the question because uh, I've had some some guests who unfortunately didn't know this. So uh, will you sign a BAA? I'm sorry. Will you sign a BAA? A BAA. You mean as in we're HIPAA compliant? Or that we're, or that the product. Uh, I mean, what is? Yes. Like, would would you would you have a BAA between you and the MSP, so that way the MSP is compliant for their clients? We because can. The MSP sh- needs to do the BAA. Correct. So then the vendors that are on the client need to do that too. Correct. We can show them how our product maps to HIPAA compliance and empower them with the compliance framework, as well as down to the line item details of where Marzo 4 maps to those remediation items. But no, we don't sign with the actual um, medical supplier. We're confident of this because we're going through it right now with one that is a marketing company and their medical uh, association that they're working with, which is a very large one in the Midwest, is wanting to make sure that the tool sets they use would make them HIPAA compliant. This is what we saw at all three companies that I work at. So yes, we are. if we decide to, to sell directly to a medical, a hospital or anything else, yes, we would have to ensure that we are compliant at the software level. When you're talking about an MSP, we empower them with the compliance framework and map our product which is part of Marzo 4, you can actually do HIPAA compliance and you get a dashboard and you can see everything that's being rem- and how it's remediated, not only with our product, but anyone else's product. And you get an executive report that you can share with that hospital or association. So we're not, we're not there yet with what you're describing. We probably have about a year or two. So we even have federal governments coming to us now asking if we're CMMC compliant and want to sign or FedRAMP, I'm not going to oversell something and I understand where you're going. We say that we can enable anyone that they're working with, but we're not there yet. We're, we're in our infancy and we're just starting on those. So it's not that it's not that you're saying you don't know where it is, what it is or that you just aren't going to do it for people. It's you're not, your, your business is not ready to sign a BAA between you and the MSP at this time. Correct, yep. So we guide them, we have one already that understands and what they're doing is they take, they're taking our compliance framework, building out the PCI compliance and showing where Marzo 4 checks all the boxes and then through their uh, software that they do for credit cards, showing everything else that they need to be for PCI compliant how they interact with those end users that could be in the banking or financial industry is between them and that customer. We're just empowering them with the tool sets so that they can see within the framework and get that compliance and um, audit. So I'll, I'll be 
transparent. I don't have any medical clients or or anything that involves HIPAA. I never have. So I don't know um, all the little, you know, nooks and crannies and details. So if anyone here is watching and um, wants to chime in with, with questions or further information, please feel free. Um, I guess my understanding is that in order for the uh, let's let's just call it the the doctor's office. Really, cat? No, not now's not a good time. Um, it, it, <laughs> Should I call my four year old in? We'll just have a party. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> now, is, now is not the time, cat. <laughs> I don't know. Did she pop up on your screen? Yeah, you an see? ear, a corner of a. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she she really wants to get to me. She wants to get on me and then get fur all over me. And I'm not having it today. I'm not having it today, Izzy. Uh, so, so I'm sorry, back to compliance. My understanding is that in order for, we'll call it the, the dental office or the eye doctor, for them to be HIPAA compliant, not only do we have to have a BAA with them, but we also have to have a BAA on file with all of the vendors that have access to their patient data. Correct. And so um, what we're saying is we don't have access to their patient data. We don't bring data back. So there's the differentiator when you relate it to HIPAA. And so it's the same thing as when I was at Duo or even at sure. FireEye or McAfee. We're a SaaS security company that enables you with the tool set, but we don't bring back that data. We stay at the OS level to ensure that your device is protected and that your identity you as the person logging in has password encrypted protection, but we do not pull back what's in your CRM or uh, where they're, you know, the customer patient files are. So you are correct, but that's not where, how we interact with those doctor's offices. We have a medical conglomerate that we are working with. They've already told us, yes, you, you are compliant because you're not bringing back the patient data. We are just making sure that our doctors and nurses are logging in with protection and that the devices that they're connecting are protected, but we, we don't bring back whatever's on their hard drive or what you are, you know, the URLs they're accessing that's tied to patients. And so I guess the, and, and I'm going to just ask clarifying questions just to, to help me and to help the viewers. No, that's okay. This is great. So if, if you were, for example, providing like remote access to a computer where we could click a button and now we're remotely connected, then you would technically be accessing the data because if they have something up on their screen, that's technically transmitting the data over to my screen. Correct. Correct. But we're not doing VPN or remote, right? Right. right. To remote access of that level. Correct. No, that, and that's what I just, I'm just trying to differentiate between like, here's why your RMM provider does need to have this, but maybe why your AV provider doesn't. Correct. And I, and I, and I think it, it gets um, fuzzy for us because, you know, let's say G Judy Garland, uh, DOB 1227-1901, whatever, dot txt gets uh hacked and and whatever encrypted and then 
your software makes note of that and transmits the file name to me to show me these files have um, security issues. It wouldn't transmit it to you. You would view it in our dashboard. So you would log through our dashboard and you would see which device potentially was breached. And then you'd still have to go to the device to do something. Um, or Judy can on that, which is an agent on that device can action whatever is necessary, which is block the malware or block the um, phishing link, which she automatically does. Um, so that's where it's, it's not pulling things back. Even to you as a champion, you're viewing it in a dashboard where you can log in and see the high level information of the device, the user, an OS um, that's either out of date or needs upgrade or a patch that needs to be done like on Windows or mm -hmm. Apple. But again, we don't see that it was a customer, I mean, a patient that triggered that breach. We see the uh, malware or phishing link or action, and that keeps us out of that HIPAA realm because we're not bringing back their data. Okay, so let me let me like I'm going to call it rapid fire some questions at you. Okay. Um, yes, no, maybe brief response. Uh, so, do you are are you guys like compliant with or or follow the guidelines of NIST framework? Of which NIST framework? NIST, yes, yes, we do. We actually can map ourselves again to that framework. We actually do it in Marzo Four. And the customer or the MSP can have a dashboard that shows them how we're compliant, not only on the identity management endpoint, um, but as well as across all the pillars so that they can include it with whatever else is necessary, like network, firewall, um, you know, data retention, all those different items that are in there at a high level. And is the same true about PCI DSS? Yes. We have a MSP that we're working with right now that's doing that with us specifically. Perfect. Uh, and we already talked about HIPAA, so that's a yes. Mm -hmm. um, and then you mentioned GDPR earlier. And then CMMC, even though that's not like live, you're currently compliant to the guidelines that are currently out as a draft. As a draft for 30%. Where we just started, we literally just started last month. So I can tell you the percentage because our dashboard in Marzo 4 is has that compliance framework and it's all automated. And so um, we can show ourselves or even you as an MSP where you are in that compliance framework by answering all the questions and it's all automated. And then where you need to remediate. That is part of the dashboard in Marzo 4. So we're at 30%, we're in our infancy. We do have three aerobiotech companies coming at us and one for FedRAMP. We are not ready for them. And I'm not, you know, that FedRAMP takes two years. We did it, uh, two of us that are a day, did it um, at Duo and it took almost two years. So that's not, a, wow. that's not an easy path uh, to get certified. Sometimes you can partner with a partner that's already FedRAMP approved. So that's something we might explore. But um, yeah, we're in the infancy for CMMC um, and uh, can definitely partner with even MSPs so that they can come become compliant um, within our dashboard. And it's all automated. Excellent. And then 
And uh, Shiva asked if moderate or high. I don't know what that means. There's different levels. We haven't even mapped it out, uh, Shiva. You're very uh, knowledgeable on this. So I, I, I would just say we haven't even started. And then sponsoring agencies, you can actually, you're not, yes. You're not at that level yet. No, and well, we haven't even got we haven't even gotten to planning yet. <laughs> um, I mean, we haven't even we haven't looked at now sponsoring agencies. Yes, we've had the DoD reach out. Um, that's his other question. Um, you can have an agency sponsor you. I, I just I again, our focus is small and medium sized customers right now. How we can enable them to potentially interact with different agencies or the medical field is our focus. We, after we get past this year, absolutely, we will start to look at some of these things like any other SaaS company to be enabled in CMMC and FedRAMP um, so that we can sell to those agencies because they do have a very far reach. Um, but if you think of it this way, um, think of the ability for a small business owner to say that they're compliant and then being able to be in and sell things or software to a federal agency, right? That's what mm -hmm. we're kind of focusing on in the security posture and the framework. Got it. And eventually you will take the DOD or may take the DOD up on that sponsoring agent thing so you can continue moving forward through CMMC. Correct. Yeah. And then as we go global, we're going to have to be GD. Yeah, we still have a lot of work to go, and I'm not going to suggest that we don't. And we're we will have to become GDR compliant as we start to go into LTAM in Europe um, at the end of this year, which is part of our plan. I've I've got to say, I'm personally I'm very impressed that you you came to play, man. You you like you know where you guys are at. Um, you're you're not screwing around. You're you're not telling us one thing and meaning another you're you know you're and you're taking compliance very seriously and i i suspect that the people watching i, I bet shiva will appreciate that too um he asked if your product is zero knowledge not yet we're we have a couple more pieces we have two more pieces to um introduce which are coming in q3 and then we would be yeah awesome all right. And then, um, yeah, and I appreciate that. There's cybersecurity has gotten so complicated, and positioning and trying to sell something that may not be there doesn't work anymore with either partners or customers. So, that is one key takeaway from my 20 years in cybersecurity. Um, people are fatigued by the right answer for the moment or suggesting that something does something when it doesn't and putting a burden on them or their customers. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, so let's let's shift. You want to answer? The, oh, about... you, I, you didn't answer Cliff's question, but I, that's fine. I didn't know if you wanted. You said you wanted to do the questions. I didn't know if you saw it. So I'm sorry. No, no. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to take us all. Oh, on got the it. Journey, okay. So we yeah. will get to Cliff's. Um, <laughs> Hi, Cliff. <laughs> I'm keeping Cliff on the edge of his seat. All right. So <laughs> sorry, I'll let you drive as the host. Sorry, I didn't mean to do no, that. No, it's okay. It's okay. Because uh, I actually have a list of questions from people who wanted to be more anonymous. So okay. that's fine. No worries. That's fine. Um, so where are your employees, especially the ones that are like the the software engineers? Where are they all located? And are they employees or 1099s? 
Oh, they're all employees, and they all sit. Seventy-five percent of our team sits in Michigan, and we now have team members in Texas, uh, Maryland, and we just hired our first team member in Oregon. So, they're all you in the U.S. and um, they're either in building the product or um, sales, customer success. But predominantly, like I mentioned at the beginning, we are headquartered in Detroit, so we'll always have that big presence here in Michigan because that's important to our, um, to us and, um, to the community. And let's talk about data sovereignty. So, um, here in the U S for compliance, we might need to know that if anything is transferred to your system, all of your systems are like here in the U S yes, they're all, everything's in AWS here. We're building out the, scalability so that when we go to the EU, AWS will be set up over there. The data stays over there. Um, it's what we had to do at McAfee, FireEye, and Duo. Um, but the code base can still be built in the US or any defects. So that's how that whole framework around where's your data going. You absolutely should, if you're going to scale, should have um, wherever you put your cloud uh, servers in that region, and that data has to stay there. It also has to be accessed by certain nationalities only, um, which can, um, as long as you're planning ahead of time um, and have that map out, should not be an issue. Um, but yeah, when we go to uh, Latin America and Europe, we will not be bringing their data back here. We will just be ensuring that the code base is where it needs to be and sending or receiving any code issues between the regions. So I've got to ask, why AWS over Azure for, for where you're hosting things? I don't know if that's what Shiva means. Um, AWS was, so we have three amazing investors. Um, mm. And when we started our journey, I think most engineers gravitate towards AWS. That's what I used before. So it wasn't really an either or. It was more of a, great, let's stand up AWS, make sure it meets our security standards, design it in a way that it needs to be, and then go. I think for scalability and cost perspective, AWS is more friendly for startups and smaller companies. So maybe when we get to billion dollar company, which is you know always the goal, we can look at other op uh, options. But for now, this is allowing us to scale and um, be secure and not break the bank. And, and Shiva put containers. I suspect he's asking if you're setting up uh, unique containers either for each MSP or for each company. That's correct. We call them tenants because you do not want those to uh, intertwine. It creates a higher level of security uh, risk. So yes, each customer has their own tenant or container. Um, we are designing, it's coming, um, where the MSPs will be able to see their tenant, and then by the end of the year, they would be able to enable their own tenants as well if they're in our level two program. Because again, that's where we know we're truly being a partner versus um, having them come to us for every microscopic thing, which doesn't scale. Excellent. And um, you, you kept referring to um, I'm going to answer, or I'm going to ask one of the questions. I think I can answer it. You kept referring to how you can map out how people are compliant. 
uh, mm-hmm. or, or how, how your product is compliant and helping them be compliant as long as they're probably using it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this guy asked, uh, do you have a matrix that shows how your solution maps to NIST, HIPAA, DFARS, CMMC, insert your compliance guidelines here? And it sounds like that's yes. Yes, absolutely. They can either do it with us that. directly or if you go to our website, um, again, it's part of Marzo 4. But if they want a third party so that they can feel as if we're not uh, um, um, shortchanging anything, we're part of Aptiga Cyber Exchange, where Marzo 4 is mapped to all those compliance frameworks. And that icon's on our website as well. So they can come through us and do it as part of Marzo 4 for no additional cost. Or they can go be they can go into uh, Aptiga Cyber Cyber Exchange portal, and they will see how a DEA solution, Marzo 4, maps to each of them by a third party. And it's where all the big companies have now gone to do the same. So it's an either or, but yes, you are correct. It's a firm yes, Steve, on, on that. Excellent. Um, so one of the things uh, someone asked is, do we need a foundation like Microsoft or Google for user device management? No. So you don't have to. Um, I mean, you definitely should use one of the two, especially if you're trying to protect your, um, um, I mean, if you leverage uh, for uh, email, we only do cloud. So in our level one offering, you would, you know, if you want to protect your email, we only do Google or Microsoft cloud. We don't do Outlook. Outlook would be level three, um, which is a more complex package. The um, we support um, Apple, um, Microsoft, and Android. We're currently building out Chromebook, um, so that will be coming in the middle of the year. But you don't have to have um, Google or Microsoft. You just have to understand that if you look at us protecting uh, your email specifically, um, we only do it in the cloud for the sure. password manager or um, the endpoint, it, it's not a requirement. I would ask, what are they using then? Because we do, you know, from a browser perspective, we support Chromebook um, as well as Firefox. Um, if that, I, I don't know where they're pointing in the questioning to you, right. but I'm just and letting I, you know that honest, that's, I... that's kind of what we support and all of that's on our website too, if they want to take a deeper dive. Sure. Um, somebody said, how can you truly have an all-in-one security platform if you aren't providing user and device directory management? We're not at this moment. We are going to connect to LDAP and Azure, and that is coming before the end of the year. So there's a difference between, again, what does a small business owner need? So if you're to tell me that a company under 100 employees has LDAP or they have they're using Active Directory in Google or Microsoft, I would say that's awesome. They probably have someone very technical there. And what we do is for the short term, we can export their uh, login information and they can import it into the password manager. But yes, the long-term design for this year will be automation through LDAP and um, uh, for Google and Azure. Excellent. So how, how do you price this thing? 
The, the, the pricing for this. Um, well, we we priced it in a way that's opposite of what other companies do. Um, you know, so think of it this way: most companies out there are pricing out a point product. So if you were to take each of those point products and add it up, it's going to be really expensive for a small business company uh, customer. The other thing is they limit you on either number of users or number of devices. So look at password manager, look at the um, antivirus, EDR, endpoint, whatever you want to look at. There's usually a, an, a gimmick. If it's free, you're getting a watered down version. Or if it's cheap, you can only use it on a number of devices or certain scenarios. We push all of that to the side and say, let's price this for a small business company so that they can really afford it. Um, the pricing for companies under 250 employees is $12 per user per month. There's no gimmick. Unlimited devices. So if Steve has 20 devices, we don't care. It's up to you. If Steve has a corporate device and a BYOD because he uses his personal one sometimes to access information, again, it's $12. So this, again, are you really going to be in the game and enable small businesses and MSPs? Or are you going to try to do a gimmick? We get asked all the time by customers, okay, $12, that's absurd. What, what is the gimmick? Is it watered down? No, it's enterprise grade. We've gone through audits. We've used Rapid7 and they audited everything. We have documentation to show that our, like as an example, our password manager maps to the enterprise level of those name brands that are out there today. And there's unlimited devices. And so, and here's the other, here's the other big key takeaway. If you need help, you can pick up the phone and we answer. It's not that hard. You have to want to help these customers and these partners. If you're going to send them down a rat hole after they buy something, um, they can only message you between 8 and 5 p.m., Monday through Friday. That's not how their business works. They're working over the weekends, maybe. They have millions of dollars in their accounts. And just because they have 10 employees, that doesn't matter. So it is for uh, one to 250 employees, that's $12 per user per month. And you get each of those six pillars. When you look at um, kind of that middle of the road, you still get all of the, um, which we price at $19. The difference is not on the core pillars of Marzo 4. It comes down to what level of threat and automated remediation do you want? So in level one, we cover your Gmail um, and a uh, firewall. When you get to level two, we know there's some complexity. So usually that 251 to 1,000 employees you probably have a CRM or ERP that you want as part of that threat and automated remediation. You have some servers. So that's the only reason why the price goes up to $19. And then if you're at that top end of that universities, which we have coming into our portfolio that have or conglomerate of medical, uh, we have two of them that we're working with right now that I mentioned to you where they have like 100 locations with 2,500 employees. That is the $24 package. Again, all of them are um, uh, unlimited devices and it's enterprise grade. It's just that last pillar of threat and remediation that is where you would make the decision as a customer. Gotcha. So I'm 
I'm really liking what I'm hearing. And those prices, were those the partner pricing or the retail pricing? That's the retail pricing. Our partners, okay. we have a 20%. If you're a level one where you just want to re resell, um, it's 20%. And again, they get charged um, the um, whatever they feel they need to to the customer. We have one company that... Sure they take the 20% off and then they wrap a lot of other services and software in there and charge the customer for a lot of other things and they're happy. So that's level one, level two, it's 30% MSRP. Um, and again, they're doing the billing and then they would pay us monthly sure. after the customer comes on. Um, we also give them access to all of our logos. Um, we'll do co-branding again, everything that was successful that I learned at McAfee is what we brought forward into the program. Excellent. And again, that design of Marzo 4 is going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The, the design of Marzo 4 is aligning to what the MSPs have already told us. So um, them being able to set up their own tenants and enable the customers on their own is what's coming before the end of the year. Because again, we intend to enable them um, so that they can move quickly. Excellent. And then the level three partner pricing? I'm sorry? level three we only have we only have the two levels that's it um we oh, we okay. yeah we only have two levels level one and level two on the price on the the percentage that they get off for msrp and it's really driver of do they want to do the billing or they want and pay us or do they just want to pass us the order and they're good to go which is level one the support levels it's up to them we have some partners that are like oh my customers will never call you and we'll take care of it so we train them on how to uh, be enabled for that level one, and then they only come to us for a level two question themselves. Or we have other partners that are like, I sold it, move on, and we're just going to have our customers call you for help. That's great. And they know that they get a level of ser uh, uh, service that an enterprise customer will get when they contact us. I I think maybe I misasked my question or I misspoke. Are, are you able to hear me okay? Is my Is my audio doing something weird? It, um, I should have warned you, I'm hearing impaired at the beginning. So sometimes oh, it goes in, okay. in and out, which I have no yeah. uh, quorums with. Uh, no, um, I just um, sometimes have to push it in a little bit. My bionic ears mm -hmm. and the headset are fighting each other. So nope, not you. But um, that's, yeah, that's really cool. That I may have not heard something to... either. Um, no, that's, no, yeah, no. It's, I love having my bionic no, yeah. ears. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So so yesterday my microphone broke, which is why I'm like paranoid now that my, oh, okay. my audio is doing something <laughs> funky. Um, like I, I had like this robotic thing going on. It was, uh, I think, awesome is the right term for it. Um, so I'm sorry. So when when you were talking about the pricing for retail pricing, it sounded like there was a level one, two, and three. That's correct. Like a 12, 19, 12, and, 19 and 24. That is the list price, whether it's with us right. or um, what we share with customers and when they come directly. That's correct. Gotcha. So then the partner pricing, you said there's level one and level two. Those are, are those like different than what the level one, two, and three are for the retail? Like are those the, not, are those not the same thing? Uh, they're not. So what we, it, so they get a 20, look, look at the, so for $12, they get 20% off for being one of our partners. What they charge the customer is up to them. We don't. No, that's, so they, and that's then fine. They, yeah, so they only pay us $4.20. And 
and then the rest of it is theirs for profit. And it's reoccurringly reoccurring monthly revenue. So think of it that way, that this is this is a monthly billing, not a one-time order. So they can no, they I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um and you said okay, so you said we're only paying 20%. It's not a 20% discount, right? No, no, no. It's a 20% discount that's given to the partner off of the list price. Okay. You said $4 and 20 cents is all we're paying. Yeah, no, no, no. That's what they're, that is what they're, um, let me pull this up for you. That's, that's the discount price or the, 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 the discount off the price. So it's 20% off of $12. And what I'm getting at is that at the end of the day on that level one of that $12, they pay us a percent, the, uh, the amount that is, uh, the 20%. So it's kind of that MSRP pricing. So $12, they would pay a day, um, $2.60. The rest of the, the amount is theirs and what they would get on a monthly um, for a revenue stream. So they're making $9.40 per customer. So let me turn the question around. The, the partner per user makes $9.40. And that's just because we'll sell it at retail. If they, right. And, or they could go, we have one partner that, um, like I told you, bundles it in with something else. Right. And they charge $90 because they're doing a whole other thing. Or we do have other partners that are like, I'm going to give it to them for $10 so that I get more customers. That's fine. If that's how you okay. want this, again, that's the model we took and the freedom we gave our channel partners. Um, and so, yes, I, I, that's pretty much the other way of saying it is what um, is that you're paying 20% and you get to keep the rest of the profit. I'm sorry that I screwed no, this up, but okay. it was just... And I... He's guys. He's a security guy, not a numbers guy. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Listen, uh, you know, for the for the two that are coming at me, I'm glad you're excited. Let's get on a call, and I promise it will be very profitable for both of you. There's no gimmicks. I'm just saying it incorrectly, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't mean to turn it upside down. Uh, so between my ears and your mic that really isn't no, broken. I screwed it up. So sorry. <laughs> uh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. So uh, let me ask you this. Are are you able to like share your screen and, and show us like the dashboard, what we would see once we like are a partner and are using this? I don't on this system because I'm on a Chromebook, um, which is where you throw your executives when you're in uh, any industry. So um, not, I've, be really disruptive to have to bounce over to my other system and show you that. Um, there's a demo video out there on our website if they want to look at it real quick. It's very salesy or um, we call it, we can show them a quick demo um, with one of our sales reps. It Literally, it takes 10 minutes to show them everything. We also have a try, which is what some of the other MSPs have been doing, which is they just test it out for 30 days. Um, and we have that option as well. 
So Cliff wants oh, to give me a smaller percentage. Okay, Cliff, well, we can get on a call and negotiate. I am a salesperson, <laughs> even though I have that title of uh, CIO. So uh, let's chat. Anything's possible. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's make a deal. He put a smiley face. So I, I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> that is hilarious. And then I, right, for some so, of these that are requesting meetings, I'm not going to say their name because I think you said they wanted to be private. No, you fine. you can share my email address and they can email me and I'll set it up. I don't know if I'll be able to do it today but with me, but I can get a salesperson on the call with the two of them that are asking um, immediately. So we can share my email address and I'll coordinate that quickly right after the call. Perfect. So what I'm going to do... Um, for, for giggles is I'm going to sign up for a trial. Perfect. And then I will share my screen and you, and you can laugh as I fumble through this thing. And oh, it won't do the install right now. Out. Yeah. That'll have to oh, go. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you the install. It won't do it right this second. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I'd love I to tried, do it. I tried guys. I know. I'm so sorry. I promise I'll show you guys everything. And if you want, I can, um, even record it and send it over. So, sounds good. Um, let me. Let's. Well, let's let's keep moving though. Um, the the partner pricing. Do you have like a sheet uh, on your screen, even though it's a Chromebook, that you could share your screen on that? Yeah, I think just a second. Let me because it doesn't do a. It doesn't need a plugin. Okay, let me try that. Just a second. Um. That was you. Oops. Here he is. Okay. Let me uh, let me forward this for one of your real quick. All right. So, Siva, that is on its way to my team. They will reach out to you. Let me pull up the partner information and see if it'll let me share on here. Just a second. You weren't kidding. You were going to keep me on my toes today. All right. Um, <laughs> and while you're doing that, when we log in as an MSP, I assume this is while while each each client has their own tenant container, we have multi-tenant access in the dashboard. That's correct. Yep. Okay. And to ask, I'm using a because one of your the questions came up. I'm I'm using a Chromebook. We're not um, Chromebook is not available yet with Marzo Four. So if you want the highest level as an executive. You throw your your team throws you on a Chromebook. That's what's happened to me at FireEye <laughs> Duo and now at Adea. It's the best way to protect you. Um, we support Windows and um, Apple, and so I have a Windows system over here to my left, giving them a visual. Um, for me to log out of here and go over there and do the demo, I assure you it's going to be clunky. Um, so we'll just set these demos up for them, and I promise the team will be very quick um, and get and show you everything on the uh, um, on the product so one of 
I'm in hard, hard lockdown on my um, access, which is where you want your executive team or people that are out on the market. Right. Um, and and uh, one of my security buddies just said he's right, you know, so he, <laughs> he agrees. We, we, we throw you guys on a on a Chromebook. Yeah. I, uh, well, I, and that's why I, I listen to myself my... on a, on a Mac because, you know, Mac can't get viruses. So. Right. <laughs> He's not even touching that one guys. Nope, I'm not even <laughs> going there there. Yeah. I'm not going there. I, I was scarred with that. Um, oh no. Uh, so it's not letting me do this. There's something in my plugin that's locked down. Um, what if, uh, what if you emailed it? To me, then I could share it. Would that be all right? Yeah. Let me. Sorry. Just a second. Let me try. That's no, okay. More. I wasn't expecting this. I'm sorry. I would have been prepared. Um, it's all good, man. I, I, I told you I was keeping you on your toes. There were going to be a lot of questions. I, uh, I also have ADD, so you know when, when we start talking about one thing, I, I might squirrel. And you know, right. so why don't you why don't you keep the audience going? Why don't you jump to another you want to jump to another question? I can multitask while I'm yeah, doing absolutely. This? Sure. So when when using your product, it does single sign-on, passwords, um, we'll call it like endpoint protection, mm -hmm. threat detection, and automated remediation. That's correct. Anti-phishing and compliance mapping. That's correct. So it sounds like we don't need Duo or LastPass or Sophos Endpoint or Know Before or even the Compliancy Group. Maybe even Vigilant. Um, one, we don't do we don't do two factor, so you would still potentially okay. I. I'm still part of the duo team in spirit. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so you want and, to do two-factor probably because of that, right? Um, they they know what they're doing. I'm not going to do that. And then there's all the contractual stuff. So I'll just leave it at that. You can read between the lines. That's fair. Um, but, That's fair. Uh, and I, I adore uh, Doug and his team. So no, I'm not going to, uh, that's not where we're headed. I, so you, long I, way of answering your thing. that answer. Yeah, the I long way of answer, answer. Uh, long way of answer your question. You everything you listed, yes, but you would still the best level of security on top of Marzo four would be two factor. We do recommend Duo uh, to our customers. Most of them already have it because it's such a successful product. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what do you call it? Uh, the rest that you described, yes, you could uh, remove and then save a lot of money based on the pricing. So. Um, all right. Actually, I undid a plugin because I have no idea what this is. And let's see if this works. Oh, that's funny. Um, because now my like Wi-Fi and everything is starting to. All right. Can you see my screen? I can. All right. So let's screen. go to our website, and you can see here that um the um. The pricing is the four levels that I described. This is the list price. The only differentiator for all of you that are looking at this is the threat detection and automated remediation. What level do you want 
based on your environment. That is the only difference in our pricing uh, for direct oh. for direct customers. Everything else is enterprise grade that we built from the ground up. So single sign-on, password manager, anti-phishing, endpoint. We have an automated, um, what do you call it? Um, his team is going to hate you. You got him hacking his Chromebook. Yes, yeah. Cliff, I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble, but it, blaming Steve. <laughs> and then um, automated compliance, which is all automated and can be done through Marzo 4, or as I said, we're part of Cyber Exchange, which we promote on the bottom of our website. You have a virtual CISO, which you can ask us questions. And then yes, it's this last three that determine what price point you're in. And if you look at, well, how would customers know or channel partners, what is their EPS uh, traffic that comes through here? And what do they want the um, threat detection to be on? So. That's the only difference. Um, and again, the 250 and below employee numbers very rarely get this, which is why they're also excited that it's all in this pricing. Unlimited devices. So there's no, oh my God, you can only do it on two devices. We don't care if it's your work or your personal. We do believe in protecting everything if we're going to disrupt this. Um, and so that's the... Um, list pricing. So then we have this one pager that we send out to partners. And this is kind of why you would want to join a program. But overall, it's the two different levels. We call you, we call it level one, which is a referral partner. You'll promote Marzo 4 to your network. Um, you submit us the order and we take care of the onboarding, um, billing with the customer um, and uh, provide the support. It's, you know, there's so many terminologies. So I'm going to be careful here. It's a 20% commission of monthly payments. You could look at it through that way or that you only pay 20%. But the cool part is for one year, you get that monthly paid uh, back um, um, that they would pay us, I'm sorry. And mm -hmm. after year one, it's still a 10% commission on, on another annual renewal. So this is where we don't want to be punitive. We want to partner with them. Um, and keep that revenue stream going back to the partners. You have the second level, which is uh, level two, um, where they're doing the billing um, and potentially supporting some of the components on your level one. We do training with the partner um, and we will, um, the partner takes the order, they submit to us the information right now. But as I mentioned, before the end of the year, they would be able to set up their own tenants um, and we would be able to um, uh, just send the billing uh, for their monthly payments. Um, and again, it's 30% off of MSRP. What they charge in both instances, um, then we call it, it's really up to them. Cliff has a good question, so I'll go back to that. Yes, this is where it becomes complex. Um, if you're using on-prem Outlook, then no, we can't, they would not be able to do um, level one, regardless of who it is. Um, we're finding most customers are transitioning to Office 365 and Google Suites. So we've only, of the 100, 100 customers we've been interacting with, we only had one that was on um, um, on-prem or OWA. Um, and that would push them into the higher price band. 
um, if they want to protect that as part of the threat and remediation. What if they're using Office 365 and they set up the Outlook application to connect to Office 365? Is that what you're saying? Yes. So that's what we've done with the one customer is we said, we hear you, but there's a lot of twists and turns with Outlook when it's on-prem. So leverage Office 365, and that can be the way we connect through the automated remediation and support you at level one. So I've got to ask, it, it sounds like you're almost forcing us to, to do like a best practice, if you will, because it sounds like Outlook opens up some additional uh, security risks. Mm -hmm. is, is that right? That is right. I mean, think of it this way, like what customers don't know, what are the security risks? So why wouldn't we guide them? And that's something that's new in this space. So think of it this way. Um, if I was in an enterprise company and you said, Steve, we want to roll out whatever it is, you have to go through a security review. You have to do all these things before you can even buy it, right? Small businesses, they just buy what is necessary to potentially get to market or even in certain instances survive. When we, when we start collaborating with them or our partners do and we're guiding them, they're excited. They're not finding it punitive because in the end, we're not asking them, um, what do you call it? We're not asking them to spend more money and Outlook is full of problems on, I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, on, I mean, our team that had to maintain the servers and everything else, I mean, it was a full-time job. Those people were exhausted on managing all of the containers and everything else and that could go wrong with just phishing coming in and one user clicking the wrong link. So, again, we guide them. We're not punitive. I mean, here's the other thing. I'll turn it the other way. If a customer says, well, I'm Outlook and I don't have time or money to move things over. Okay, great. Well, let's protect everything else. We'll protect your endpoint, your identity. Um, we can, you know, make sure that you have your login. And oh, by the way, then here, why don't you at a minimum get Duo and do two-factor against that on-prem Outlook so that at least you have that extra layer of security. If you really want to be a partner, you should be agnostic of your product for to a degree and try to enable and not be punitive. Sure. What we learned from Mandiant when we acquired them at FireEye and why Mandiant pretty much took over FireEye. You, you, and you saw the same thing with um, SafeBoot when I was at um, McAfee. You have to be agnostic of sometimes the tool sets or the processes that you do internally to continue to enable, whether it is enterprise or small. So um, Outlook is problematic on-prem. And so we, yeah, we do try to guide the smaller ones. We haven't had anyone say, oh my God, no. It's just more of a, can you show us how or help us real quickly? Um, and that we will do, or we, you know, MSPs know how to do it. And that's one way for them to add value. And I know that um, what Cliff is saying, I'm not, I'm not. So, I'm not. So, so Cliff, I'll, I'll, uh, so. I'll translate <laughs> for you, Cliff. Yeah. So basically what, what he's saying is it doesn't matter if it's, uh, a, a server in the office on-prem, or if it's Office 365, if it's Intermedia or whoever, if, if they've got Outlook set up, 
then um, Marzo 4 cannot start to keep track of Outlook itself until you're on the level 3 solution. Yes, so for email, it has to be in the browser. There's an easier way of saying it. Um, so if it's not going through your Chrome or Firefox or any of the other browsers that we support, Judy can't scan it for phishing. How about if I say it that way? So she's scanning yes. in the browser. If it's on-prem or any of the other ways of doing um, Outlook, that is the older way of doing things, which there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not, uh, there's different reasons Then no, we can't scan for phishing links or um, uh, do that level of protection. They obviously could single sign on into it, but there again, we would guide them then you still should have some form of two factor on top of it um, to protect your outlook um, when it's set up that way. Got it. Go so, um, I'll I'll get to. I've that hit a nerve. A I've hit a nerve on this <laughs> as well. Again, we will work with MSPs with however they want to work with their customers. Again, we're just here to educate. Um, Is this the one that you're talking about? No graph API. Oh no, I was talking about. I I was I, I creating confusion. I don't want to create confusion. What Cliff was saying. Oh. So. Yeah, I got it. So um, let, let me ask you this. Uh, for MSPs that are not yet using your product, obviously they should be, right? But, let, you know, they're not using your product. Um, can you offer any, like, quick wins on some things that we should be doing at a minimum for security, even if it's something like use Outlook in the web instead of the Outlook app? Right. Um. I mean, we talked about two-factor. You definitely should have some form of monitoring wherever you have your customer's data or how you're interacting with the data. So how are you protecting your infrastructure or your um, uh, tool sets that you're leveraging as you engage with customers? That is where you see small businesses are being breached or how they're the larger companies are being breached because they piggyback on someone else, right? So it, to look at a business or even a person in a silo based on their personas mm -hmm. doesn't work anymore. If I am, if, you know, if Steve, you're a public speaker, you do podcasts, you interact with people, your personal life and your business life become one, not only in your persona, but your devices. So how are you in honest? I've only got one computer. Right. But others have personal and they have their phone and they have tablets and that's all fine. But how can someone breach you either by a relative or by interacting with me um, that you haven't taken into consideration when protecting yourself or your customers? And that's where we argue, why does it have to be so difficult and expensive? And the way we design Marzo 4 remediates that. So the tips, regardless if it's Marzo 4 or something else, you should definitely have two-factor. You should definitely have some form of password manager um, at a minimum. And you should definitely ensure that however you're sharing data is secure. If it's not, you're going to have a problem. And, and, and it's not to create fear, but it really could be a breach that is three over is what we say, three by three, right? I get to you, Steve, and now I'm able to get to me 
who might be able to get to one of the executives that I is now part of a publicly traded company. There's that type of phishing that's happening out there um, because it's very profitable. And you saw that with, with the law firm that was breached about nine months ago where they went after and all the mm -hmm. stars contracts were put on the dark web. They didn't care about the attorneys. They were trying to get to those that information that was lucrative or could be punitive to their brand. You know, and, and I missed that that uh, that news article apparently, uh, or that news cycle, I should say. So uh, I'm I'm curious, uh, Shiva, are you still around? Um, Shiva asked a question earlier. Uh, what is your threat intel source? Threat Intel source. So we have honeypots all over the dark web, just like everyone else. We also have some mm -hmm. open source uh, platforms that the big companies use for malware, phishing links, um, as um, and any of the threats that are already known. Judy is machine learning. So she's not some marketing fluff where it's just AI and workflows. She's learning every four hours. So she sees something that's she's never seen before. She does bring it back in. And then she learns over it over a four hour period, either through phishing or our endpoint, or even what might be, um, um, well, you could have, <laughs> your, guys, your guys are funny. <laughs> you have a subscription to FireEye? Come on, come on. <laughs> I still support FireEye. I love FireEye. So I am still rooting for the FireEye team. And I will publicly say that um, again, Anything can happen in cybersecurity. So I feel horrible on what happened, but Kevin and his team are absolutely um, uh, trying to do the right things. And so, yes, I, I still support FireEye um, as well. But um, where was I going now? There's, these guys are making me laugh, which is awesome. Um, the, uh, you were talking about the threat intel source. Yeah, so when she's learned it, if, even then, if she doesn't understand it, it will go to our security team for them to triage and then make sure we push it back out to our customers. So we That's use the same weird. sources um, that you would see with all the na big names that I've either worked at or the ones that you've listed, um, uh, Steve, earlier for phishing or endpoint or anywhere else. That's best practices by everyone. Um, to do it on your own is foolish because there are billions of lines of <laughs> phishing and um, malware that has to be consumed. And then you have to take into consideration everything starts as a baseline of antivirus, right? So you have to scan the device for antivirus first, and then you put the EDR and all of the other components on top of that to protect the endpoint. Um, so, so I'm genuinely curious to know, uh, how, would you be opposed to me bringing on one or two guests to have a more engaging conversation? No, I have until two o'clock. I'm all yours. All right. So, um, in really going to, you're really going to keep me on my toes. All right. I, I, I am. <laughs> well, so en Enigma <laughs> is, um, very security technical and, um, I'm also going to invite, Shiva, um, okay. just because I bet he's got a lot of questions. Um, That's fine. And I've got Shiva all set up with my team, so they should be reaching out for that demo. Um, Perfect. So, um, they probably have a delay, too. 
All right. So those um, those those invitations went out. See, he's he's just now telling me the the name of the law firm. So that shows you what the delay is. So they might not realize. Just check Slack, and you'll you'll get the link that you can join us here. Okay. In just, Streamyard, and then I'll be yeah. Oh, one second. My four year old needs me. I'll be. I told you she was gonna interrupt. So I'll be right back. Yeah. And the link that I gave out didn't work. It says I can have 10 people on the screen at once. It was already shared. Huh, that's weird, Zach. I don't know what happened. I don't feel like that should have. So I'm wondering if it's because I'm already live. Sorry about that. <clears throat> no problem. So, so I sent out the invite and Enigma was not able to join. It gave him an error message that said something went wrong. Okay. So, I, so I'm wondering if he tries a different browser. It could just be angry that we're already live. Maybe right. maybe doesn't like random guests. Yeah. Um, well, I can answer his question. I was going to ask if there was staffing on this. There's no need for staffing. Um, I mean, Judy does the once they've clicked on the uh, installation, Judy does the provisioning, and then everything else is on its own for password manager. If they have an existing password manager, they can export um, out of the old password manager and import into ours and their passwords are there. Or as they type in the browser, browser, Judy sees the login and password and asks if they want her to save it to password manager. So she does that as an ease of use, but there's really no, um, staffing necessary for this. That's why the small companies are loving it because it's installed and then their dashboard, if they want to, um, he meant on analysis. Meant on analysis. So this would be better if it was live conversation. Judy didn't. <laughs> yeah. So earlier you met, you mentioned if Judy didn't like understand something, it would get kicked back to the team to kind of like fix it, analyze it, yeah. And then right. yeah. So, so it's, yeah. So it's, there is a team on it. Yeah, we have our we have our, our team blue, which is what we call them. Um, they are. Uh, part of the threat and um, automated remediation. We also have very extensive security team members internally on engineering and our production team. So if they see something that's an anomaly or never ever seen before, yeah, we would get it kicked back, analyze it, and then push it back out through Judy so that it does whatever action it needs to at the different pillars. Again, it's at 80-20. I'm never going to say 100%. So there will always be some form of 20% fallout, even on new things, whether it's a virus or a malware or a phishing. Excellent. So uh, I'm going to bring on Shiva now. Shiva, Raphael. Raphael, Shiva. Hey, Shiva. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Great questions. Team said they've set you up for 2 o'clock. So hopefully you got the invite. Yep. All right. Great. Five, They'll show you the five demo. Five. Here you good. 
So, so Shiva, I, I know you are asking tons of questions, and I, I suspect it's because you see a shiny new toy. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> and supposedly honest with a nice pedigree behind it, so that helps. So, what was? I don't think I saw all the questions. If I didn't answer, I'm sorry. Nice to meet no, you. Oh. No, he he's just been the one asking a lot of questions. He's the one that was asking about the sponsoring agency and the zero. Oh, okay knowledge and all that. So, How do you compare to um, Crowd, oh, CrowdStrike Falcon? Um, yeah, so right now it is uh, antivirus. Next month we're rolling out EDR um, as well as uh, the um, analysis at the endpoint for CPU and um, memory usage. So uh, we will be comparable. I don't want to say we're CrowdStrike's got seven years ahead of us, so I'm going to say yes, we do have antivirus EDR as part and um, the analysis at the endpoint with the remediation. It's that remediation piece that's coming out here in the next month. We're testing it right now. And that remediation piece does that be comparable to something like uh, I guess Phantom from Splunk? Yes. Mm -hmm. So the remediation is that like all of this stuff that your product does is that all kind of handled by judy um she handles all of the pillars except for the threat and automated remediation that goes through um our um sim and soar and the ability for um that automated remediation back into marzo 4 or on the device um but she is learning and observing so if she sees anything she does pull that back in um she's to complement um not necessarily drive all aspects at least right right now our next phase of judy is to automate even some of the steps that are necessary and could be tied to cybersecurity, like setting up users provisioning users um when a user leaves being able to give a command and that removes their provisioning those are all things on the roadmap this year what kind of provisioning other than the, I guess, I would assume you're doing Azure AD. Well, you would, it, we will connect into um, uh, Azure LDAP. So you, she would be able to feed that workflow over and disable their access as well as through the applications that they were accessing through Marzo 4. Again, you, you can't control a user at like the CRM level because we know that there are some nuances or ERP um, but if they're tied to that LDAP or the Azure, then it should disable their access once she's taken that action there um, and send over that workflow. But we're still testing all of that out. I've seen success in different products with that, and I've seen failures where when you do an audit and you thought it was doing it, it didn't. The joys of being the CIO and going through monthly or quarterly compliance reviews. So I'm not going to suggest we still don't have some design and testing on that. Are you doing anything uh, as far as provisioning for Salesforce or NetSuite? I know that falls into ERP, but okay. Not yet. No. Yeah. What we're trying to do also, and I should have mentioned this earlier, is not put more of a cost on small businesses. So if you look at our SSO, it's not SAML. It's Judy logging you in at the web page level. The reason being is if you use SAML, like with Slack, they charge you $10 more. We learned that from two of our customers. They are tired of paying for the ability to have to use SSO where it's SAML 
on a lot of these cloud applications because then they get upcharged for connecting it to cover the cost between Slack and uh, name name one of the SSOs, Okta, as an example. So this is even where we designed it in a way where it's financially not punitive to use our single sign-on or password manager like it is with some of the others that leverage SAML. How is Judy signing you on? Is it the equivalent of like with LastPass where you click a button in the browser and it types in the username and password for you to hit enter? Yeah, through her machine learning. Yep. And so through single sign-on, you have the, um, the, the tile plate for Google, Slack, whatever. You click on it, she logs you in. But again, we're not going all the way in like SAML does, which is where you can have the additional costs and the issues of when they change their web pages, your IT team has to go back out and maybe reconfigure things. She's machine learning every four hours. So when she sees these websites, if, even if they've changed where their login is, she learns it within four hours so that the next time you go in, you don't have a problem. I have a question. If mm -hmm. you're logging in as me, if Judy is, she's effectively impersonating me, correct? Um, I don't want to say she's impersonating you. She's maybe, just inserting, maybe right. she's inserting your password and login from your password manager, which is behind the scenes and it's encrypted so that it's giving you access to that application. But you would have been the one that either imported that information or when you went to the website, said, yes, Judy, save this back to my password manager. Do we you designed have it access to the password manager. Nope. It's encrypted on your device. We do not bring back those passwords. They're all encrypted. And then the certifications um, are uh, there as well. The last piece of the puzzle for zero trust, which is kind of where we're going, would be two-factor. But like I said, that's not something we're looking at right this moment. So we might either, um, we're just still trying to figure that piece out. But we're one so step away from zero trust. With... I'm sorry? Are you considering maybe just partnering with Duo or another partner like that? That could be a potential, yeah. Or you do it differently and not necessarily have to do it the same way. So. Gotcha. And it, it sounds to me like the single sign-on is really like, I'll call it a, a glorified landing page with cards for each of the sites that you have SSO for. And then you click on it, and it's the equivalent of going to the whatever the login page is that you tell it. And then it's it's kind of hitting the the last pass button for you and then pressing enter for you also. At the simplest level, yes, but with two other things that tie back to security. Judy validates it's a device that's registered with her. If it's not, she won't let you in. So there's the second thing. So she, the minute Steve clicks on or tries to log in to password manager, if it's an unauthorized device or an unauthorized IP, she blocks it and notifies you to say, you're in the US. I'm seeing that someone's trying to log in from uh, Italy. I did not let him in, is that you? So that even in, and that's on the initial login. If you're now trying to get in through the, the browser, she does that validation each time. So it's not just a, a workflow. 
It's a validation of the device and the IP each time you access that cloud application to ensure that you have the right security. And, and if she sees anything, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, please. Continue. And if she sees it's not the registered device tied to you, she won't let you in, even at the application layer. So she's she's validating my device. Mm -hmm. I suspect she might also be validating that I'm at the right URL too and not on a phishing landing page. Correct. That's where these all start to work together. And you'll see that in the demo. So if you do click on the wrong URL and you're trying to log in, a screen drops down that says, this is a phishing link. Do not click through. So that you as a user don't have to remember the 20, 30 things that we all learn in anti-phishing training, which yeah. people have now roll their eyes back and don't want to do anymore because they're tired of it. So yes, she's. that's why we put her as the heart of all of this because she's connecting each of the pillars and doing that heavy lift or blocking and tackling in a way that you don't have to worry about so that you can just do your job. Very good. Shiva, do you have other questions that you... No, I'm okay for now. Thanks. I have more, but I'll address those on the demo. Sounds good. No, um, so thank you, Shiva. All right. So I I am curious about the pricing. So what what happens when we start to acquire like volume? Uh, so maybe now I'm supporting 500 clients, but mm -hmm. each client might have, we'll just say every client has 10 end users. So now I've got 5,000 users that I'm supporting. Uh, are we able to start talking discounts and whatnot with you? I'm always open yeah. to talking to volume discounts. That is why we have, don't have a level three yet. Back to your original question. At McAfee, we okay. waited to roll out level three until we really understood what are the commitments from the partner. So yes, we've already had a couple partners that have said, we're going to bring you um, hundreds of users per week. Great show us your forecast, explain how this works. And then yes, we can do a level three that is a one-off contract tied to those milestones that you wanna set forward. That is a true partnership. It's not to meant to be punitive, but yes, level three will be a volume discount that has been proven. And we found that partners were very successful, like you're describing, with that ability to frame it in a way that meets their needs versus me trying to put a cookie cutter on top of it, which won't work. So level one and level two should accommodate um, those that are interested or want to open the door. If you feel like you're one of those partners that want to, are confident in what you've described, absolutely. We will work with you on a level three agreement that has a uh, benefit to you, um, as well as has the milestones that you want to agree to. Excellent. Do you, um, do you have any minimum buy-ins for partners or uh, contracts? Now your microphone. Now your now your microphone's dying. Um, but I, um, I think I heard what you said. Do we have any pre prepaid? What was that again? Um, I'm gonna I'm going to be right back. Okay. Enigma, whatever the question you have, give me something here. I feel like I'm about ready. I need to start tap dancing or <laughs> no, no, no. I'm Do joking. I sound better? You sound awesome now. I was teasing with them. Okay. You said you like to joke. Um, so I'm I'm, you know, 
comedy relief. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should tap dance or start telling let, jokes. <laughs> no, I was, I was just letting you know you didn't have to to uh, you didn't have to put on a show. It was quick. No. Okay. So, so uh, do you uh, have uh, minimums or contracts? We have contracts. We don't have minimums. So we have a one year contract that we set up with you for the price sheet that I shared with you and I'm happy to send it to you or we can send it to your users. Um, but there's no minimums. If you send us one order a year, great. You send us thousands of orders a month. Great. We're prepared for both. Again, this isn't also, this isn't just about small businesses and making sure that it's right for them. It is intended to be right for the channel as well and minimums sure. or paying in or that you have to pay for training Trust me, I've seen all these things and we even tried it when we were breaking everything at McAfee. It doesn't work. We want a true partnership. And again, if you look through the lens of enabling the partner, they will bring forward the customers that, um, what do you call it, um, that are the right fit and feel like it's complementing each other where they make a lot of money and we're continuing on our journey to enable these customers. I I know of several MSPs that have made it very clear that they will never sign a contract that isn't month to month ever again. Okay. So and and the reason for that is um you know tons of companies talk channel 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 and either a they sell to a massive company uh like you know connectwise or or um uh, venture capital like Toma Bravo or whoever, right? And support tanks, service tanks, development tanks, and prices go up. Um, and then other companies talk all about the channel, uh, collect enough info to cut the channel out of the equation, and then try to go directly to the customer. Mm -hmm. So, I guess, I guess the 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 statement there is. Can I? Yeah, I. Please clarify. Please one year contract on the pricing. You can you only have to give a 30 day notice and you can back out. The customers, okay. though, have to be handled correctly because we don't want them to not have a security posture. So, again, it's collaborative. If you feel like you want it's a 30 day notice. But again, if you're in level two, we're doing monthly billing. We have a customers involved. What is the plan to work together for you to offboard as a partner? and the customer is not impacted. So that year contract is about the pricing and the program, not the ability for you to decide as a business owner to back out. We just need a 30-day notice. Okay. And then what do we do with the customer? That's in the contract. Because again, I agree with you. Things change. Um, something shinier comes along, whatever it is. The only thing we're going to make sure, though, is we work with you to protect that customer and that it's not a cliff. That's the only thing that's in there. Right. Um, but besides that, you're right in everything you said, and that's why we framed the contract that way. I like that. Okay. Now, uh, be honest. Are, are you in this for the long haul? Are you trying to get acquired and and you know have a have a channel company take over like Autotask, Data? I'm in for the long haul. I okay. have seen how. This is a huge opportunity of a puzzle that could be evolved, but solve 
in a way that's profitable to channel as well as Adea. And as you mentioned earlier, I've been at three of the coolest companies on the planet. Um, this isn't about money for me. This is about showing these customers, these partners, and especially these team members in Michigan who never got to experience any of this, what it's like to work for a really fun, cool cybersecurity company. Where that leads, I don't know, but to do it in Detroit as a first is an honor and more important to me than the money. I'm old. That's awesome. So I don't, it, it's not about the money. And if you really want to be in cybersecurity and disrupt, um, I learned from some amazing leaders. Just do it because you love it, not because you're trying to get to IPO or sell yourself. If one of those options come down the road, we'll decide then. But for me right now, I'm in for the long haul because we're having fun and our customers and partners are really loving what we're doing. Um, and Enigma. Um, yes, I saw his. Uh, so I'd love to answer so that. Quick, if if anyone has any other questions, we got to wrap this up here in just a couple of minutes. So please, if, if you have more questions, either toss them into the to the YouTube chat or um, you can you can set up a demo and it. I mean, if if his sales team is anything like him, like Raphael here, I, I suspect that they're going to be, let's be honest, they're going to be no BS, and they're going to tell you not what you want to hear, unless what you want to hear is the truth. Right. So I, I'm, I'm very impressed by that. So Enigma said that, it, you know, it seems like a lot of emphasis is being put into um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, AI, ML. Uh, and he is a big fan of human-supervised AI and ML, uh, but he's but he's not assuming that it's going to work on its own, at least yet. It's not 100% working on its own. He's correct. He's very technical, and I appreciate that honest feedback. So, yes, Judy's growing. She's sitting on one terabyte of information for voice recognition as well as a long list of things from Google because we weren't going to rebuild the wheel. Her machine learning is being managed by engineers and data scientists to ensure that she's always learning and evolving. And again, she's pulling from those pillars to do that monitoring. Um, but he's correct. It's not, it's not all automated, but it's not the AI gimmick marketing thing that people saw even a year ago either. So it's, um, he's, he's, um, He's correct, and I, I'm um, absolutely uh, aligned to his statement, and Judy will grow over the next two years. So we're pushing for more automation, um, but right now there is still some human intervention, especially with our engineers, um, or where she doesn't understand something from a security perspective, which is where it goes to our blue team. Excellent. Do you have a red team? We call them our blue team, but they're a mix of red and blue because we're blue. Oh, we are logo. So Judy's blue team does the detection and the remediation, as well as we'll jump in with a customer if we find something that that needs a heavy lift, especially in those more complex customers at the higher price range. So you should change it to purple. We were going to do purple, and now you're going to get me in trouble with marketing. <laughs> Because everyone's because saying, well, if you take it red and blue, it would make purple. And I'm thought, but that's.
that doesn't allow, we're all blue. Like, why would we have purple? But Steve, you just got me in trouble with Melissa, who coordinated this. So I'm sure if you send her that, she'll adore you. And um, <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe you just changed our uh, <laughs> our brand Oops. for the team. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> totally fine with it. I can take it. Um, I can take it. So, oh, but no, yeah, it's it is both. Um, we just didn't want to say red and blue, or <laughs> so we went. We lean towards blue uh, since that's all our colors. That that makes sense. I mean, I understand why you would do that. Plus, you know, I I think there's there's that uh, underlying connotation. You know, blue teams the good guys and red teams the bad guys. You know, so I understand you want to be the good guys. Yeah, exactly. It makes sense. Um, and and Cliff said, just as long as Judy doesn't get mad at you. <laughs> she's gotten mad at me um and yeah the now see you're freaking me out again um, man. Uh, oh i'm teasing um the engineering team can control some of her statements so yeah if you guys do a demo or want to see it ask who where she's she has some fun questions too where was she born um and uh who's her boss and um yeah she we wanted her to feel like she's part of the team. So yeah, there's some very technical things she'll do. And then, yeah, there's some fun questions as well. Why not? Um, it's, you know, it's why she's a persona back to your question, but she's not going to be Terminator, Steve. We won't let her take over at least not from like destroy the world. I mean, maybe, you know, uh, you know, tease some of these, you know, yeah, IT team members. Said the same thing in the government <laughs> on Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to win on this one, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, um, she's, she's a strong persona, but a collaborative one. And that's a good thing. So, so now just because it's my own curiosity, um, are you and, or your team, uh, iPhone or Android or mixed? We're mixed. Now, if you're asking me, I'm locked down in every way possible. Um, what do you call it? Um, and uh, I use Chromebook and um, Android. Okay. And um, the team does not. Enigma, what Enigma data does the team have access to? It sounds like you to? have an EDR. Oh, here. We do have Enigma's the EDR. In. Yes. We do so, have an EDR well, component coming live uh, this uh, this next month. What access does the team have? We stay at the surface level. So like I said, the device, the OS, and the scan, we do not bring back the attachments or anything saved to the hard drive. Got it. And I and I see Enigma popped in, but we unfortunately have to wrap up. Okay. I need to make well, sure you can get to your next meeting on time. Perfect. So... Everyone, thank you so much for hopping on here and, um, you know, watching and, and have, oh, he, he took off. So uh, thank you so much for uh, hopping on here and, and watching um, the, the podcast episode today with Raphael Matone, the CEO of Adea Security. That's how he pronounces the company. And if you are interested in learning more or getting a demo, uh, please check out adeasecurity.com. It's right here on the bottom, A-A-D-Y-A security.com. Um, it seems like, you know, 
it might not be perfect yet, but uh, it's it's they're working toward it, and I'm going to check it out. I'm I'm really impressed with the uh, genuine responses uh, and the the no BS um, attitude that that we have with Raphael here. So uh, thanks everyone, and I will see you all. I want to say it's next week on Wednesday when I meet with Eric Anthony from Ignite now. I believe he used to be with SolarWinds, but that doesn't sound right for some reason. And then I'm also meeting with Matthew from Curricula. Oh, hey, Raphael's back. So sorry. I have no idea what just happened, but it crashed on me, so I didn't want to be not say thank you for having me on and great to meet everyone and i enjoyed the question so hopefully it was useful absolutely and see i just thought you were like oh good i get to go to my next meeting and just no i wouldn't i wouldn't (laughs) be like that i am so sorry i'm sure the monkey me clicked on the wrong button but um i definitely appreciate everyone's time and those of that have questions you can get my email address from steve and i'll set up demos or share a partner program or uh, you can email me directly whatever works Awesome. Thanks so much, Raphael. Hey, I would love for you to come back sometime and do an actual like live demo with us. So I'm going to try and schedule that with your marketing team. Perfect. I would love to do that. All right. right. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody. Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.